Oh, hi, and welcome back to, I haven't heard that name in years, a beautiful, lazy memoir for me, Hannah Harkness, a.k.a. Hannah Sutton, a.k.a. Shortstack. Uh, this is a great episode. Uh, this is an episode that goes over uh, one of the biggest and most important parts of my creative genesis, if you will. That sounds a lot more lofty than the, the ridiculous bullshit that is all of my comedy and everything I've done on stage and in writing. Uh, this is my art, you know, when I have uh, gimmicks like a <laughs> crow dropping a bag of rice out of the sky because someone got their phone wet you know like i i do that and that was in brooklyn battle comedy by the way uh but i i am going to be in this episode talking to my friend uh, little miss roller hoops of burlesque hula hooping and fire breathing fame and i met her the same place that i met all sorts of circus arts cosplayers uh Witches, literal witches, dominatrixes, steampunk humans, all kinds of, all walks of life. Uh, this strange uh, neo-vaudeville pod I managed to fall into, and I was just kind of at the right places in the right times in the right floors of the right hotel rooms in the early aughts, and I got some stage time for stand-up comedy in contexts that I have not heard anyone else get. You know, I, I mean, there there's some people I know that do like comedy at comic book conventions and stuff like that. But I spent so much of my time when I was doing stand-up comedy in these more alternative, I don't know how else to say, nerd renaissance fair, uh, eyes wide shut mashup. I, I don't even quite know how to describe it, but, uh, you know, I owe a lot of my time where I had, you know, the most creative freedom in stand-up and in comedy to this scene that I'm going to be discussing with Little Miss Roller Hoops. You know, they gave me so much freedom and so much stage time at all of these various uh, events, you know, kind of the height of, you know, when steampunk dropped in the early aughts, you know, when that was like a much bigger thing, you know, and then it just various goth type things various renaissance type things and you know i keep saying neo vaudeville i don't know um but i owe so much of my creative freedom to this these scenes because they would just give me an hour and they would also furnish me with an audience of people like me nerds uh no other way to say it, uh, but they give me, you know, nerds, goths, all all them neurodivergent people who just love things so much that they need to dress up as them in painstaking detail. You know, these are my people and I got very lucky to fall into a scene where I got to do comedy for my people at length about the things, the stupid things that I wanted to do comedy about, like steampunk and at the time, like Nintendo DS and all kinds of other stupid shit that was happening. And, you know, it's just I, I'm lucky that I managed to cross paths with the various scenes that I talk about in this episode. And I am happy to bring you this episode with the very talented Little Miss Roller Hoops. Uh, and as always, if you want to check out my other projects, I have Kate's Punker Live uh, every other Tuesday at 10 o'clock EST on Comedy Hub on Twitch. 
And that is a fake conspiracy theory podcast. I also have season one of that podcast, the scripted version, not the live version, out on every podcast platform. And you can also check out Brooklyn Battle Comedy, We Make Movies, on IWTV. And take it away. Cool music. Hello and welcome back from the theme music and the cold open to I Haven't Heard That Name in Years. Uh, Joining me today is my friend from a chaotic phase of my life that is crucial to my performance career, but also completely difficult to describe. You know, I, I these episodes I've had, like, yeah, this is the Rocky Horror episode. This is the, uh, th- this is the City Year episode. This is about high school. Uh, Hoops has followed me through so many different, like, circus, artsy, different kinds of places, like burlesque and all of like just all over the place you know like you have come with me but this this is little miss roller hoop she is a burlesque performer a hula hoop person a circus arts person uh i mean how are you and how do you generally uh try like when people get hey what do you do what do you how do you usually respond to that (laughs) um i i jump between uh i'm a human torch um professional pyro professional weirdo um bona fide uh paid to be a nerd person i don't know uh it depends who's asking and where i am (laughs) that that's also how i feel about it with uh my stuff i mean lately i've been able to just say writer and it's uh slightly less complicated but yeah i i remember like when we were hanging out in goth scene stuff, I, I was always like, oh, I'm five different things. Like, that, <laughs> it's it's tricky to, uh, yeah, no, it's tricky to encapsulate that. But, like, in, in the past, I've seen you breathe fire, hula hoop, multiple hoops at the same time. I've seen you do burlesque. Uh, I've seen you do nerdlesque, which we're going to get into later, but that's, like, where the cosplay meets the burlesque uh i you did rocky horror with me um did i already say stilts did i say stilts i don't think so maybe okay well you also do stilts in fact you do this great uh thing where you know how that in alice in wonderland when she eats the eat me cake and just shoots up in height um hoops here has a version of that were on stilts so like alice has actually grown to an astronomical height it's one of the <laughs> one of the coolest instances of like cosplay meets circus arts that uh, i've oh, ever wow. seen um so fun. yeah so it's a lot and i know i know it's been more and it's it's really cool that we've managed to stay in touch this long um so here's a question do you remember if we met at Rocky Horror, or if we met at Wicked Fair? My earliest memory, which the photo helps, was when Comic-Con in New York used to be in February. Uh, 2009 was the first one I went to, and then I was in a show for it, and you were there. Uh, and there's a picture of us. Uh, you have brown hair. And, right. uh 
Yeah, that's how old that is. And um, that was before I joined the Philly Rocky cast because I only met those people, some of them, in 2007. And I didn't join officially till 2014, but I think I started guesting with them, TNP, maybe like 2010. Um, So I'm pretty sure it was Wicked. Right. Okay, so it was it was either Wicked or it might have been at that uh, New York Comic Con show, I, which now I am um, now re- yeah I mean I'm now remembering that. what's up. It was definitely before that, and I'm pretty oh. sure Jamie was involved. Oh, okay, okay, so it definitely was Wicked. All right, so um, okay, so we did meet at Wicked Fair, which is where a lot of people. T- that are run in the same circles as us like back in philly and you know honestly you really really it's the tri-state area because like you didn't come to philly until later i think like Mm -hmm. you you you're pretty new york you're from new york rocky horror cast originally uh so it was really this convergence in new jersey that like united this whole intense like ragtag nerd circusy social circle that i ended up like being it ended up being near and dear to me and such a like big impact on my performance career and like the largest chunk of my stage time just because of how much i you know because like you're fighting comedians like in typical stand-up settings you're fighting comedians for like five to ten minutes to speak uh, and then if you get really good, you get a little bit more of that. Uh, but because of things like Wicked and Steampunk World's Fair uh, and, you know, the various other things that were around in our orbit and either produced by Gil or sometimes... Uh, Gil Kanan, by the way, is a, is a great friend to both of us and produced a lot of the events that we used to hang out at. And uh, I did a check before recording this podcast if I was allowed to name check him. So we're good to go on literally everything kill related because I've been given clearance. Uh, and, you know, we we ended up a lot of this thing because of this one show, Wicked Fair is like the where I met so many people for the first time. I think it was my college friend, Chris, that took me over there originally. Uh, uh, could you kind of describe the scene at wicked fair and like when you got involved in it because by the time i started with it i i'm gonna say i'm gonna say two i think you clocked it right 2007 2008 or something it would have been yeah. you know what it would have been february of 2008 because that would have been my first one so and oh. we probably met at like J- jamie hatton's a webcomic artist we probably met at his party maybe oh, um i'm I'm sure he has to be involved in some way. I actually just saw him in August for the first time in like five years, maybe more. Oh, wow. No, about five years. Uh, It was, so I I started Rocky with a now name changed um, cast. Now it's the Cosmic Light Cabaret, I believe, uh, in North Jersey. Oh my gosh, I forget which town. But they're in North Jersey. Go check them out. They're great. Um, okay. Yeah, Cosmic Light Cabaret is what they're called now. Um, and a friend and a bunch of people in that cast knew the person who was Wicked Fair affiliated. We'll say that. Um, mm-hmm. And Faye, who was in the Rocky cast with me, who's one of my closest friends to this day, was asked by uh, her friend to 
basically put together a burlesque show for a convention, uh, like a Victorian old school, pretty convention that she was running. So we took a bunch of Rocky people. We did that. And I remember he was there Mm -hmm. and I hadn't met him before. And he said a bunch of weird stuff. And I was kind of like, okay. And I was still (laughs) coming out of my like 17 years of shy, awkward, socially awkward, no social skills, barely had friends, sheltered child person self. So then that led to us actually forming a troupe. We we did the convention the next year. And at some point, uh, we were brought in, I believe, to do Wicked. And it just kind of went from there. And then there was a one-off event uh, in 2008, which is where I met um, Ian and Dr. Andy uh, and got really close with both of them. And then that went a whole different direction. And they started their own... Um, like AV and company and stuff company. Uh, and I ended up working. Circuit six, right? Is that what they're yeah. called? Yeah. Circuit yeah. six. So I worked with them for quite a bunch of years. Um, so it, it kind of just like everything more or less traces back to Rocky, but Rocky traces back to the camp that I went to as a kid, the arts camp, but uh. it just kind of started from Rocky and then it went to burlesque troupe and then it went to wicked and then all these other events. And Gil's wife is um, New York Rocky alumni, who I've known. Right. uh, I've known her longer than Gil. I think I've known her since 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, So then that's how I met Gil. And I joke that everything in my life traces back to Rocky and or Gil. And Gil is not a fan of Rocky, which I think is hilarious. (laughs) That is really funny because one of the first big gigs he set me up with was me uh, interviewing yeah. Patricia Quinn. Yeah, that you know? was my fault. Yeah. That was actually my fault. I remember Your that. Your blessing. Like, Don't say fault. That sounds yeah, negative. That was, that was my responsibility. I take full responsibility uh-huh. for all of that. Um, yeah, because I don't remember exactly what happened. I think he was like, we need like either like a comedian or like we just need someone who can do stage stuff and talk or something he said. And I was like, Hannah? <laughs> and he knew who you were. And yeah, the the rest is really weird Whovian history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, what we are in passing talking about now, because uh, th- this conversation is going to chronologically it's go gonna all over the place because of the amount of time that we've spent around each other in these performing uh, con. Context. Uh, so we're now ta- we're talking about Regeneration Who Doctor Who convention uh, that lasted four years, and I was there for every one of them, doing stand up comedy, uh, emceeing, and that first blessed year interviewing Patricia Quinn uh, from Rocky Horror Picture Show, who played Magenta, and right. uh, I got to do that twice, and. Again, this is like a performance, you know, this is an opportunity I had to do stand up in front of like, you know, I don't, I don't know how big that hall was, but it was pretty full. You get us, I got a full half hour in front of, it's probably over a thousand people, right? At those, you know, like when you go in the big halls, like that's, that's stage time I wouldn't get anywhere for else for years, you know, like I, I still like in New York, I, I didn't work big crowds that much occasionally, but like at the conventions, I got to do these like rooms full of people that were also just like my people and were going to understand my sense of humor and shit like that. And it was, it was super, super valuable to me. And like, 
you were there the whole time. Um, and also we got to perform on variety shows a lot together too. Uh, yeah. We've done a whole, whole, whole lot of those. Uh, so in general though, like let, let's backtrack for a second because Wicked is such a, like, I get the feeling as I go through the next several interviews, it's going to keep coming up. Um, so could you just kind of describe Wicked Fair and similar events? Like, there's, because there's other ones. There was, like, that Divine Decadence one that, that we did. That was Gil. That was all Gil. So it was okay. uh, yeah. fucking fantastic. And, God, there was the one time that Dead Milkmen played that. That was Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. I, they are fans of my, uh, Rodney is a fan of mine because I, they had sound check and I, was random. I was working circuit six and we didn't have any, I didn't have anything to do at that moment. So I was just in the ballroom while they were doing sound check and I was just hula hooping the whole time and probably also texting at the same time, which I later taught Jaren how to do. Uh, <laughs> and he was just like, you're still going. And then I think Eagle Likeness was there too. And they were in there and Donna just looked at me like, what the hell? Uh, it was great. Um, how to describe these. Okay. So it's not like comic cons or like Ren fairs or anything. It's kind of like they all had a really screwed up, weird, like socially awkward baby. Boom. Um, That's it. That's it. All of these kinds of conventions had a baby. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it got to a point where they, this, uh, Wicked started having themes. Uh, one year with Alice, which is when I did the stilts thing. Um, and I think that's when the tradition of me taking pictures with Gil, who is rather tall he's got to be like maybe six two mm -hmm. um that's when the tradition of us taking pictures together when i was on stilts started because i'm taller than him on stilts but not by a ton um mm -hmm. i'm like almost eight feet at the lowest setting um they're right was, they're adjustable yeah there was like <laughs> things a, i like don't a, know <laughs> there was like a fractured fairy tale one where i was um i was the ice queen or snow queen from narnia on stilts and there was a guy who was only two inches shorter than i was which was insanity um and then i was gretel if uh and i was i was looked like i had just been like in a massive fire and i was carrying around a can and it said hansel's funeral fund and my fractured part was that um i escaped the oven and hansel didn't and um our our friend who is no longer with us sadly uh hugh casey took some epic pictures of me and i was taller than his backdrop as the the queen from narnia on the stilts um and i i still have that costume i literally lit my costume on fire That's um but fucking metal i just remembered my fractured fairy tale i was the flog princess like i did this like big pink ball gown and i had a bunch of pink bdsm stuff uh, <laughs> i don't remember that but i the believe flog it princess yeah and then i had thane uh do corset staples on my neck so i also had like temporary piercings which is something that i got yeah. i haven't done that in a really long well, time but i used to be way into it they were supposed to do that on me years ago and we never did it so i should poke them and be like hey next time i see you in this type of environment mm -hmm. um and my pain tolerance is way better now too but um yeah so that it was like a ren fair and like anime stuff one one of them i was daria um and that's when we started the competition that was me against myself to see how many costume changes i could have in a weekend um right. and Annie used to to keep score and I don't remember but I broke my own record the last year she and I were both there 
I don't remember what it was, but it was something absurd. It was double digits, but like not like 10. It was higher. Oh, my God. Um, I used to literally bring my costume trunk, which luckily had wheels. And it became like the infamous pink trunk, which I still have. It's covered in stickers now. These types of events, it wasn't like one specific theme, like Ren Fair or like Fairy Con or Anime Next or whatever. It was a bunch of stuff all in one. There wasn't really like, I mean, there was always going to be some, but there wasn't really like judgment. You can wear whatever the hell you wanted to as long as it was like legally possible allowed, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, there was usually a lot of substances involved, not a lot of sleep, not eating very well, <laughs> unless it was like, pizza all the time yeah yeah because these things took places somehow most of this happened in piscataway new jersey i don't know what what that was all about i think it must it it must be some kind of zoning or hotel price thing there's a few that jumped out of that radius but both like bdsm events and events of this nature where it's a nerd thing that's concealed in a hotel and not necessarily a convention center all that stuff i i think just because of the halfway point between philly and new york but like most of this was specifically piscataway new jersey it was persippany piscataway somerset print there was it was princeton a couple times i remember because my dad drove me down a couple times because i'd have to get there before the convention started when i was working with circuit six or like this way to the egress um one of the bands that would do a lot of these who i'm mm. still very oh, close with I and i love like how i just saw uh taylor and sarah this earlier this year but uh yeah it was always kind of like in like the middle of fucking nowhere like yeah. not like farmville usa but like there wasn't much around you had to drive to get anywhere you couldn't really walk to anything everyone usually ordered in food I mean, there, the Rocky convention next year is in Somerset. And I I saw the cast director who's running it uh, at the convention this year. And I looked him straight in the face and I was like, Somerset? Why? <laughs> and verbatim, he said, cheapest convention ever. And I was like, no, because you're going to have to go places to get anything you need. And like the airports are, are no less than an hour away in either direction. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they were always in like Bumblefuck, wherever the fuck Jersey. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. um, some of Gills were in Pennsylvania, um, and then he he did a couple with some other people. Uh, they like co-ran these, um, which uh, one of them was Twisted World. Um, yes. And uh, yeah. that lasted. Uh, I think there were two of them. And yeah, there was there was two. I have badges for both. I've saved badges from every single convention. Like I feel like there should be a name for the Wicked Fair type suite of conventions yeah. and a different name for Comic Cons because they are not the same vibe. There's no, like a, a big fat corporate element missing Twisted from World. the Wicked Fair type stuff. Like yeah. Twisted World, instead of just, like, the, the like, see-through plasticky badge holder, they actually had, like, pouches. Yeah. And they, you could, there was a slot for your badge, and then there was also a zipper compartment. Um, and I still have, I got a few of them. I think I have three, and I actually use it, like, when I go, when I travel abroad, I use it as my passport holder. That's a great idea, and I still have mine. Thank you yeah. so much for weighing in with that input. No, I, yeah. I do still have mine, and I need to use it. I'm I, Oh, my God. You know what's nuts is that all of my badges are in, like, a fishbowl in my <laughs> room. Uh, they're all atta- they're attached to, like, a, land, a, a million, like, bread tangle of lanyards 
uh, but uh, <laughs> but they're in a fishbowl. But I can see the Twisted World one is like pressed oh, up against the fishbowl. It's in I, it, I have it in my eyesight. But yeah, of course that was a Gill event, so it was run somewhere reasonable. Um, <laughs> the best part of that one, um, I have a lot of food restrictions that are not by choice. That one, I distinctly remember um, Danielle, who was also running it. She literally acquired food just for me that I could eat during the convention without having to leave. And like, like Wicked and stuff, it was always like deli crap food that someone made. Um, there was mm-hmm. there were a couple of years where it was better than that, but like. I wouldn't eat at these conventions. I would like bring my own protein bars. I remember one year someone brought me salad because they were concerned. Um, and uh, twisted, there was always food for me. They gave the performers and the crew um, like these vouchers to use in the hotel restaurant. But the hotel restaurant those weekends had very limited menus, so they didn't go crazy mm-hmm. with how many people were there. And I couldn't mm-hmm. eat anything. So I remember one year my friend Aubrey came in and we had a vendor booth together we had a giant vendor booth it was rockets and roller hoops and uh we used our vouchers with the end of convention we both got a glass of wine and it was just like it was the nicest way to end like what was one of the best conventions i've ever been to and i, I wish it still were con- happening those badge holders were great my partner uses them because they're really bad at um not losing things mm. so like it's on their neck when we travel sort of like documents and stuff <laughs> Uh, like yeah. under the jacket or something so we don't look like tourists but um yeah all, all these conventions were just like a cacophony of chaos of mm. sorts and like all these like different like fandoms and scenes and communities like converging and yeah not everyone was a hundred percent positive and like great but we're always people who were like trying to do the right thing um, and make sure people were taken care of. And I like personally had some really traumatic stuff happen at a couple of them. Um, and, uh, I had a whole long conversation a few years ago with Gil about it after some stuff went down that we're not going to get into, but uh, it was, it was always really good to like have a safe space, even if the whole place wasn't really safe, even though they advertised it as that, but anyway, yeah. uh, it was a very, very important part of my life, and I would imagine you'd agree it was for you too, because it's yeah brought me some really good people and experiences, and like honestly, like life lessons of sorts. Yeah, so, and you know what it did is it, it brought all of these you know art forms into my life that eventually you know like when i went to stand when i went to stand-up comedy you think like for most stand-up comedians they have a normal life and they go to stand-up comedy and it makes it like weird it kind of like throws it into a different form of chaos for me it's stand-up comedy was taking the color balance down uh suddenly i'm in a room several days a week with a shitload of men going up and talking about themselves a small smattering of women and you know it's kind of the same thing every night and you know my stand-up material was talking about what happened at these conventions because that was what was interesting to me and it was just so and and you know the audiences at you know standard comedy clubs are like bob from accounting and shit they aren't like the people (laughs) that i was you know they're not the people i was used to and then when i explain the world that i came from people react like i'm telling them fiction you know i I keep joking that like 
people are going to think my fictional podcast, which is fake conspiracy theories, sounds real, and that my uh, memoir podcast is going to sound fake uh, <laughs> because of the amount of, like, wildness that went on. And yeah, there was, like, definite dysfunction. Like, most of these conventions are defunct now due to d dysfunction that we're, you know, we're not going to tap. Yeah. Uh, but it was such a big impact on me as a performer. It made me good as a performer because I learned how to work these big crowds and I had like a lot more creative freedom to write things based around these fandoms that people showed up for. You know, like when Gil booked me for Regen, it was under the thing of like, we need, you know, besides you recommending me, he was like, we need Doctor Who themed talent. That's kind of a niche. Like how much stand up can you do about Doctor Who? I'm like, it's 50 years of source material, buddy. I'll figure something out. Like this, <laughs> like, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's so hard to put that experience into words and, and just the kind of the weird feral lifestyle of it. You know, you're talking about like how you didn't eat that much, you know, with the exception of like region which had the most flushed out green room eating situation i've ever seen in my life where i i ate the same as peter capaldi ate you know um that it, it that was a thing where you know you do have to like go out and kind of forage for stuff or you're just surviving on mead and like random candy and shit uh, <laughs> like whatever like absinthe flavor I got there was one weekend where I was selling corsets with passional uh where I'm pretty sure I subsisted on absinthe chocolate um uh, I still oh made a lot of sales <laughs> but yeah you're kind of running on gas and alcohol a lot of the time yeah right? and that was before like I really knew how much water like I I was always told like drink like eight ounce eight glasses a day water I was not ever really good at water until mm -hmm. like five years ago maybe and i'm um a few decades old and uh i remember one one i think it was was it ausa um i was with i was working with circuit six and the first year they fed us a stupid amount of food like we had leftovers i went home with food back to new york it was nuts the next year there was no food like some of us lost weight that weekend with how much we were moving and how much we weren't eating. Um, yeah. And at one point, I think Dr. Andy just like gave some of us money and told us to go out and get food. And I ended up being like a runner that weekend aside from like, like front of house, back of house crew. And um, my friend Jen had made, she probably made something hundred cake pops. And I lived on that weekend. I lived on pizza, thanks to my friend Cricket, who took me to Mellow Mushroom in DC, which unfortunately sadly closed, which sucks because it was also circus themed and I could safely eat there. Um, and then these cake pops. So, like, that was what I would do at conventions. And I started at a Rocky convention in 2018. I was like, I need to not just eat snacks and like protein bars at these things. So I've only gotten better at it in like the last five, six years-ish. Honestly, like, being a performer hard. in your 20s is a feral time. Uh, for it is. most of it. Yeah, it is. It is kind of a feral time. And, you know, for I think that even more feral than the food situation is generally the sleep situation at these oh. things. Because most of us didn't have enough money for our own hotel rooms. Uh, yeah. We'd be packed like... 12 to a room sometimes and you don't know which room you're actually gonna fall asleep in you yep. know where your stuff is yep. kind of 
kind of know where your stuff is. It's piled yeah. under five other people's stuff, and all, and you know, like you you obviously with the queen of the costume changes, but everybody yeah. had like f- at least four costumes, uh, and then like this also introduced the concept of the weird chair to me, which is the hotel room chair that's intentionally shaped so people can't sleep in it, but people oh, damn do, damn do you try if you're yeah. small enough? Yeah, like there were. <laughs> There was one year I remember I got it was wicked actually and this this tracks for anyone who knows the things we're not talking about. Um, there was one year my dad drove me down. I was working in Jersey City and he he got me from work and he was driving me down because I had to be there early. And I was told um, by high up people there that um, the EMT what was going to be the EMT like medic room for the weekend was already reserved for I think. Wednesday or Thursday, whichever day I had to go down. And um, they said I could sleep in there that night. So I get down there and someone else, uh, who I'm also not going to name, told me, yeah, that room's not available. I don't know why you were told that. And I was just, I'm sorry, what? So then the head of the event's uh, solution was to put me and my skates, my costume trunk. I had my laptop with me. I think I had a DSLR camera with me. He was going to put me in a room of college-age volunteers, all guys, college-age. I was uh, 26, 27. These were like 18-year-old boys I'd never Mm. met. No, I'm not. I'm not sleeping in a room even for a night in that situation with all my stuff and like also me. Um, so uh, a friend uh, who also worked for Circuit Six was like, "I owe you a big favor from another convention. You can stay in my room." So I stayed with him, but like it was if I wasn't given a room with someone, it was usually like me staying with friends who were going. I I couldn't afford my own room with these things. Like some years, I didn't get paid. I didn't get paid until I started working for Circuit Six or Gil started bringing me in for doing all this. Um, One year I was given a stipend to bring performers in from New York, but I didn't get any of it. And it was just kind of like, why am I paying people coming from the same city I am, but I'm not getting paid. That's not cool. Um, But I did bring in some big names. I brought in a couple big names uh, and it was like, cool and that was it and no like appreciation or anything and one of these big names is a is a lovely friend of mine I've known for like 16 years and he even got to the point where he was like nah nope (laughs) yep yep you know that's uh (laughs) so much greatness so much adversity it's it's such a like I I had to think real hard when I was like all right how am I going to approach these episodes because of the amount of like weirdness in the upper administration but at the end of the day so many good connections were made um the reason i have my pet snake is because a a snake breeder gave one to it gave isis uh my my pet snake isis to thane and then eventually i ended up keeping her uh so like that's and that's like my pokemon like isis has been my like sidekick for since then since it's that was uh that wicked fair i think was like 2012 or something or whatever event i was at was like 2012 so i've had i have this beautiful pet snake that's like part of my shtick and identity uh because of this convention and there's you know so many things um and then just exposure here's here's a good transition and just exposure to certain like niche 
art forms and circus arts, like, I have to credit to all of these kinds of events. Uh, one of them, uh, and which has always been a big inspiration to me, even though I wasn't doing it myself, was uh, what's titled Nerdlesque. Um, yeah. Could, yeah, could you uh, kind of describe Nerdlesque and some of your favorite acts that you've done? Uh, that I've done? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't actually... I, I think I knew at one point, like what was who was rumored to be the person who made up the name. I don't remember, yeah. um, but it's basically like fandom burlesque acts. So like I've seen everything from, oh geez, um, I have uh, uh, two friends of mine. Uh, we have a hocus pocus act where we're all three sisters. Um, we have a mop, a vacuum, and a broom. It's great. I still have my mop. I've done, oh geez, I'm mainly known for doing um, Drunk on Butterbeer Hermione Wednesday. Yes, I followed that once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, Hermione started actually, I think at Wicked, my troupe. Um, I was asked, we were, for some reason, we were doing like a witches themed show, I think. And I was mm -hmm. asked to take my 21st drunken birthday act and make it Hermione. My my real hair is brown and curly. I don't ever let anyone see that though. Um, so I can make my hair look like Pat Quinn in Rocky Horror as Magenta's hair very easily. And at the time I had bangs. Um and so I did that. Um and I got drunken butterbeer. I put together Hermione costume. Um Kiana lent me her Gryffindor tie. Uh, now I have three. They're actually next to me because they're the same colors as Sunnydale High School from Buffy. Um, I've done four characters from Buffy or five. Buffy's my favorite fandom ever. I've done Peter Pan. Uh, I've done Sweeney Todd, Mrs. Lovett, R.I.P. Queen Angela. Um, I've done Mary Poppins. Oh my gosh, there's there's a lot. My costume trunk is mostly characters. Basically like any like Avengers or... Star Wars, Buffy. Yeah. Uh, and they tend to put like real big effort into producing these shows too. Like some of them are just like general mixed bag of nerdlesque stuff. And also a lot of nerdlesque acts is like for, for a hot second there, I was really closely following the burlesque scene in Philadelphia. And it was like kind of the way I follow indie wrestling now where it's my space to not be the performer and not be the creator, you know, like I had uh, both and also both scenes have had me do some writing and a little bit like of like mild emceeing and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, this was like my thing that I got to be a fan of and it felt cool because it was like live and gritty and interesting. And, you know, when I go back to my stand up friends, which are hilariously the closest things I had to normal friends uh air quotes normal you know they'd be like what do you mean you saw a venture brothers burlesque show um <laughs> and just like I i'm like no i did it i saw um somebody be dr girlfriend and strip i did it was hot yeah. uh and i, I it, there's just so many crazy creative things that happened like as a result of that and it was also just such a big source of joy for me because it was like kind of this weird magical little side world that like when I go back and report to people you know at school or work or whatever well not not work at Passional because that was a that, you know I was working for them while I was at those events I was selling sex toys and corsets and stuff yeah, uh, but every other job the other jobs that this is just so 
outside of their realm of experience. It just kind of, this is one of those things that makes people look at me and go like, wow, you've had such an interesting life. It was all of this shit, you know? Um, And uh, I think one of my favorite creative memories in Philadelphia wasn't like a standard stand-up thing. It was the Wes Anderson burlesque show, which you were on. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was Margot Tenenbaum, and then I was the little kid from, what was it, Life Aquatic? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You jumped on uh, on Mr. Zizou's shoulders. shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Brett's like, well, I don't, I've never seen the movie, but he was just like, hey, you're small and you can go on my shoulders. Put this costume on, basically, or something. And I I had a short brown wig, I think. Um, And I don't, I have no idea what the act was because I've never seen the movie. But he basically walked around the whole venue with me on his shoulders. And there's a bunch of pictures. And Margot Tenenbaum, I had a few people in on it um, who were plants. And uh, I basically, there's a there's a montage in the Royal Tenenbaums movie where um, Margot goes through her, like, promiscuous history. And the whole montage is her just making out with people. So I got um, three friends to do it with me. Um, it was, oh my gosh. Okay. I remember who it was. And, um, we basically recreated that montage, but instead of just like, like the makeout part, um, they stripped my clothes off, um, each person until I didn't have anything really. It was so fun. People lost their minds. It was great. Um, I'm still really mad. I forgot about the fake finger. Um, and if you've seen Royal Tenenbaum, you know what I mean? But like I, I borrowed someone's fur coat, which I hated. I'm not a fur person. Um, I had the the black eyeliner, the blonde bob, uh, the the little red clip in her hair, the blue dress with the collar. I I'm not a huge West person, but like that's that's my favorite one. And being yeah. able to do that was just great. And you you were I think you were one of the co-hosts. Um, I was, and I also wrote the adjoining script, which I wasn't yeah. going to cut you off to talk about, but, yeah, like, the, the reason that this is one of my favorite creative memories is because I was approached by, I, be, I believe his name is Adam that was running Envoute, yeah, Burla- yeah. or if he's, I don't know if, is Envoute still around, yeah. or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be great. I love Adam. Okay, wonderful. So I was approached by Adam, I think probably at a Latage show, uh, because Latage also RIP is a fantastic cabaret venue in Philly. But I think I was approached by him at a Latage show and was like, we need somebody to like write this Wes Anderson burlesque show. And I'm like, you have come to the right place. I can absolutely accomplish a task this weird. Uh, So, but what this is, is essentially like a Rubik's Cube of a premise because... They're, you're asking me to connect every Wes Anderson movie with one crossover plot. That's crazy. <laughs> it was for a hundred dollars. I had was, to like. It was sit. so good. You did such a good <laughs> job. Like I, I was losing my damn mind, like quote unquote backstage, like just listening to it. And I think I saw the script prior to the show, but it was like, I don't know how you did that or how long it took, but it was, that was one of my favorite shows. And my housemates came to it because they're big fans of his. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. And I honestly hadn't thought about that show until just now. And I want to go find all the Margot pictures because there's a lot of them. 
Oh, there's a lot of them because, you know, she was like one of the, the rock star characters of this universe, you know. So you, you, yeah. and you really knocked it out of the park. It was think... one of the most uh, memorable acts in the thing. Oh. Uh, but what the what the crossover plot I had, I ended up making up is my favorite Wes Anderson movie is Rushmore. Um, and my co-host uh, is Liberty Rose. Uh, I was like, I want to make it some kind of Rushmore thing. So I was like, all right, well, how about Max and Rosemary go on a field trip on the Darjeeling Limited and they're making stops looking at a bunch of stuff. Um, so I just was like, this is a stretch. It's a big stretch, but we're just going to have to like it, it, be self-acknowledging. Like if it's something that's too much of a jump, like they had a fantastic Mr. Fox act, I had to just be, oh, look out the window. There's a fox. Cue the music. We go and do a new act. <laughs> yeah, it was like the weirdest train ride ever where we would just stop at like different places. And it was like, what's going to happen? Nobody has any fucking idea. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had so much fun with it, and I was constantly, like, writing, like, just bits about Max, because, like, uh, Liberty Rose did this amazing femme, like, gender-swapped Max uh, outfit, and then at the end, you know, obviously still doing the thing, like, in Rushmore, where, like, clearly in love with me, and I just, we made the re reoccurring punchline, me going, like, I'm too old for you, Max, <laughs> like, over and over again. Uh, and then the show ended with, like... Liberty Rose doing the this burlesque act, this amazing burlesque act, uh, with like this flip pad of like different stuff, like just like right like step one, write a hit play, step two, like fall in love, step three, strip, and like I, and it was the that original like I feel dumb because I'm sure it's a wildly popular song. Wes Anderson does nothing but classic rock, but it was to the main song from Rushmore that uh, and the whole act was directed at my character it is just so and that was that was what closed out the show was like just kind of this this weird thing like hey like this whole act like directed at your character and it's just like so it was so hot and cool and it was also really cool to be able to have that big participatory hand in the burlesque scene because you guys brought me so much joy and gave me this like cool gritty overtone to my life where you know i'd go out and i'd do stand up but then i'd like i i used to dig quarters out of the couch to go to full front street what uh, like the the, the uh, burlesque night that y'all had I that was it. yeah it was awesome it was also like full front street was cool because that was the one the burlesque dancers went to like that yeah. was where you had all of the plain clothes burlesque dancers hanging out every monday night in addition to people going up and i, I loved that family feel so I would, like, scrape together financially so I could go down there after I did comedy. Yep. That was – it really was the one the performers went to. Like, it was – it got to a point where it was honestly, like, mostly community people in the audience, mm -hmm. which no complaints about. Um, like, obviously, like any other show, some nights were way more packed than others. But I worked that show for a long time. It was it was great. Uh, Victoria Freehouse is still there, uh, yeah. which is also a great place. It's a really great it's venue. Um, so while we are not like we're kind of rolling up on time, but not really. But I want to make sure that before we stop speaking, we acknowledge uh, the goth scene in Philadelphia because it is a monolith and it was like if people didn't meet at like one of these conventions or something or like at a kink event, they probably met at Nocturne 
or yeah. Drax Ball or similar. Could you do like a nice little, I mean, I'll obviously cut in with my commentary. Can you do like a nice little synopsis of like Nocturne and Shampoo and like that whole scene, like specifically Shampoo, because this is a closed club that all of us spent way too much time in. Way like, too much. Um, I actually went to an event last night and I compared it to my days back then. It was a lot of the same kind of music, but slightly less gothy and slightly more like EDM-ish. Um, but it was also an emo themed event. So like emo and EDM and goth music had a baby. It was weird. I had fun. Um, it, the shampoo was in like the middle of a bunch of like industrial building warehouses, um, like near the Red Cross building in Philly in, I think it's technically Northern Liberties. It's something they're, else. They're now. calling it Eraserhood now, actually. That area, because of that Eraserhead mural and where the filming locations, they've started calling it Eraserhood, which I, I, I'm wow. into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not going to call it that, but sure. <laughs> no, that's like that's like NoHo in New York. There's no freaking NoHo. Like, stop it. Like, that's Northern Hollywood. No. Um, which is a real place. So yeah. it was like, I think two, it was two or three floors um, there was like a garden, like heresy outside area. The bathroom was like this big round, had this big round thing where you pushed a pedal and it was a sink. We did so many events there. There was Nocturne. Um, uh, oh my gosh. Um, I think Libertine was there. It was both Libertine for a minute there before it moved to Voyeur Libertine, yeah. which was a big summer fetish ball that was like super like dress code. Everybody there had to be in some kind of costume or actually stripped down by fashion police at the door to underwear. So like both both Libertine and Diabolique ball were of that yeah. stripe. And Nocturne was straight ahead goth stuff and it was half all ages. And if you if you could go if you were over 21, you could go downstairs to the lower level, which is referred to as the Velvet Underground because it, all of the chairs and everything were oh, covered okay. in velvet and there was all kinds of, like, weird back corners where everybody would, like, fuck or do drugs or whatever, you know? Like <laughs> Yeah. I, oh my gosh, that, I would give, I talk about this a lot, I would give so much to go back to that place. Yeah. So much. There was one, there was one night, um, my friend Allie and I plotted um, to surprise actually Dr. Andy. I don't remember what event it was. And uh, she picked me up. At the, I came in from New York. She picked me up the train and she took me over there and we didn't tell him. And he, he saw me in the parking lot and he lost his shit. It was so good. And I remember <laughs> like, I think Evan ate like three donuts because, you know, event, event food. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I was early it was my early rocky days both of us and i was still like trying to figure out like life stuff because honestly like rocky is the first like social atmosphere i ever really had where it wasn't always great obviously but i never felt like actually like i fit in really anywhere because i was like the weirdo nerd creepy kid i wasn't creepy people just thought i was just too weird so they tagged me as creepy um but like I could wear what I wanted to. Nobody judged you. You could dance your face off, um, get real sweaty, then go outside. There was one event. I think Andy and I went to it. I don't. We, yeah, we did. We went to it. We weren't working. We weren't doing anything. We just went, and it was at Shampoo. And because it's us, I ended up performing last minute, and he ended up helping with AV stuff. 
because we can't go to events and not participate as just attendees. It's not a thing we can do. There was one night, a bunch of us were in like one of the like hidden downstairs rooms. There's a picture of this. It was like me, Olga, Loki, I think Gil was in there. Like majority of the room, we were all were all Jewish people. And someone made a joke about like, it was like the furnace room, but it was like bigger than just like a closet furnace. And so someone made a, it's going to sound terrible. Someone made a joke about all the Jews being in the furnace room. (laughs) And they're like in the picture, there's like pizza boxes. Like we're all passed the fuck out. We were exhausted. But like, I'm, I am technically Jewish. Um, so I don't really like, we don't make that joke a lot, but like at the time it was hilarious. We were all like late teens, early twenties. I think we were all like 21 at that point. Um, but like the amount of nonsense and like fuckery that took place in that building over the years was insane. Like we got to the point where we knew the staff and some of them would like, when events moved to different spaces, they would go like, um, what's his name? Chris. I don't even remember. I miss that place more than most venues. And every when I still lived in Philly, anytime I would go by where it was, I would just get like nostalgia sad. Oh yeah, no, I do too. And it's funny when I'm in a car when I'm in a car with someone else and I point at this thing, it looks so like nondescript and sketchy even. And I'm just like, oh, I'm like just regarding it with this like mythical just like love and devotion uh, because of all of the nights I spent. You know, like I I mean, I'm probably just gonna cover a lot of like the basics in the intro, but like we used like that sink you were talking about, uh, like the way it was set up, the bathroom area. You know, there was a big room. The room connected to that room was the dance floor and then the room connected to it on the other side was the outdoor area which was uh cigarette smoke and 80s music at nocturne and, and there then, was a hot tub uh, at the yeah there was a hot tub at kink events they would have like a floating bondage bubble that they'd spin you around in that was in the hot tub um but yeah there was a there was a, a gross ass hot tub uh that i've never (laughs) went into i never went into there i didn't trust it i got in the bondage bubble that floated in there but there was a sheet of plastic between me and the hot tub so that that wasn't a thing but you know outside you know the outdoor area was uh joy division and clouds of cigarette smoke um and then that big room with the sink you were talking about was this giant like fountain looking thing with a foot pedal and that was just essentially unisex because there was no sinks in the bathrooms themselves in the men of the women's bathroom but what this was what it created um because then like uh, further over is the staircase to the downstairs like that was like the nerve center like a grand central all of these like weirdos walking in from different places and the above 21 and the under 20 run crowd and shit so what me and my friends used to do is we got bingo cards and we would write down shit like cyberpunk goggles, uh, oh, possibly no. too young to be here, uh, <laughs> eyeliner, you know, like shit like that, like uh, fucking uh, dr- dreads, stuff like that. And we would sit there and we would actually play bingo in that in that room because of everybody walking by. And it was just fun. Occasionally someone got us and they thought it was funny because it would just be us going like, ooh, new rock boots, bingo. And <laughs> it was like, I... But, you know, that alone, that's one of those stories where I'm just, like, I try to explain this to regular people, and there's, like, 50 things I would have to explain before I even got to that point. (laughs) 
because it's like where's yep. nocturne where's everything uh they also had like the moshing upstairs you know like the the kids running into each other and shit um industrial goth dancing which i can only describe as fighting people who aren't there uh <laughs> it's like it's sometimes yeah. referred to as like tree dancing yeah. um it was it was different and it is not really represented everywhere and then you also have like the fact that because this is happening in philadelphia it has that gritty grindhouse overtone to it like you, you forget that until you leave philadelphia you don't realize how much of a sin city ass energy we're going for over there <laughs> yeah i also i just real i just remembered like 10 seconds ago i'm not gonna name who it was but i filmed a music video there and that I... was that's my second earliest memory of gill because it was um it was like January 3rd, 2008. I had New Year's Eve and right before that for a couple of weeks, I was on I was on the Dresden Dolls tour as one of the the like uh, they called them brigaders. Um, mm -hmm. So I was on the Dresden Dolls tour and the New Year's Eve was in New York. That was the year Amanda wore my dress on stage and everyone lost it because they knew it was my dress. Um, and then a couple of days later, I go to Shampoo and it may honestly have been like my first or second time there. And I remember Gil was there too. Actually, if I turn the sound off, I can go watch that video and just like see a lot of the space in there because I don't have a lot of photos. But the the other really important thing that I remember from like Shampoo and Wicked and some of the Gil events early on um, was like, it was like the gothy aspect, but also like the BDSM like kink aspect because that was a world I got thrown into early Rocky days um, mm -hmm. with a bunch of cast members. And I was very new to that and not to get too heavy for a second, but like I was a super abused, bullied, tortured child, um, which ties into a lot of why I didn't have friends and no social skills. And in a weird way, which I know is common for a lot of people in that scene, it became kind of therapeutic because like it was like one of the first times I ever felt like I actually had control over what was happening with or to me, um, like mentally and physically. And Shampoo, like with, with Callie's events, the passional events and everything there, it was a place that I already felt safe in, like starting with the music video and Gil and people I've realized later that were there. Um, like one of my Sanderson sisters was also in that and I didn't meet her until a couple years later. That was a really, really big important part of places like Shampoo and places that host those types of events. And like, as I got quote unquote older, cause we all know I look the same. <laughs> same here with that, with the exception of my blonde hair and uh, this, yeah, the, the, my eyes, my eyes got a little bit more dead after I started stand up, but uh, with the yeah. <laughs> you, you also look the same yeah but yeah. like i i would as the years went on at these types of events and i would see like the younger kids and the younger kids come in and like kind of go through the same motions that i did it was kind of surreal and the first time something like that had ever happened where it was like i was seeing people go through in a positive way go through what i had been through and like saw how it was impacting and like altering their lives for the better and it was really, really kind of awesome. And I just got goosebumps thinking about it and saying this because that was huge. And it still is like now I'm significantly older. This is we're talking like 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but like I still see it. I saw it. That emo festival is in Vegas and I'm here right now. And I see all these little like 
hot topic teenagers. And I'm just like, oh, hey, it's me 20 years ago. Cool. Mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of awesome to see like that part of my life, like mainstream again, like the whole like emo, uh, like punk rock, like goth. Everything is like cool again, like the 90s are cool again, too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it makes awesome. me accidentally, we have accidentally aged into relevance and yeah. that I was just discussing that with somebody like that was like there the first year that I did stand up when I was doing it. But Mike said, we've, we have accidentally aged into relevance. And when we tell these stories to Gen Z, and I, I know this because I just tell these stories to them and like people in that age group in passing and just kind of like, ah, oh, this is my life. I am so much cooler with them than I am with people my own age. Yeah. Oh my God. They, they are way more into that than like people my own age are like, oh, well that sounds crazy. Yeah. You know, um, but they, you know, they, they really want to know more. Um, so, uh, before, before I go, you know, is that this is, this has been really awesome. I just want to put out there that, uh, we actually have, if this is still your favorite act that you've done, this is both of our favorite act. I love that act you do where you're dressed up, you, you do it to resistance by muse and you're like dressed up like nerd you and then uh... you strip off and you're in like cool, circus you and you know the the like fucking lyrics of that are all like they will stop they they will stop degrading us and shit like that and i remember the first time i saw you do that full front street like i felt like my heart fall out was like this is so cool and then you said to me like yeah awesome that was my birthday and that's the that's the act that made my partner break down crying um yeah i almost cried uh i that number started out as um I mean, it was the same for that, but then I've altered it since it was um, a traumatic childhood experience that I had to deal for, deal with for my entire childhood into college years. Um, it was kind of like a, a, a caterpillar to butterfly type premise. Like that was the mm-hmm. idea behind it that I made for one of uh, Honey Tree's shows that she did in Philly. Um, and I, I proposed it and she was like, fuck yeah. And I was just kind of, oh, Oh, this is really happening. I have video of it. First time I did it at Frankie Bradley's. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, that was um, Muse's Uprising. Yeah. That oh, yeah, that not Resistance. On, it was Uprising. It's yeah, fine. Exactly. Anytime on that the song comes on in the, the car, I like I can do the choreo in my head, and it's a hula hoop act. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, I should go find I'm going to go find the video after this of the first time yeah. I did it because the audience didn't know. Only a couple people in the audience knew me. Most of that audience had no idea what I was about to do. And the uh-huh. the sheer volume of sound in that room when I did that act, I broke down like I haven't in a while. After, um, it was it was a lot. It was great. Yeah, it was it was fucking phenomenal. If you find yeah. that video, definitely uh, send it to me. Um, it, uh, oh, I have it. I know I yeah. have it. Awesome, awesome. There was oops, one costume malfunction, so, so but that was it. <laughs> <laughs> oops yeah, sometimes i mean it's burlesque it's a coordinated uh costume removal yeah, so my, you're gonna have the occasional costume malfunction i'm my sure my corset actually got stuck on the columbia bustier because the columbia <sighs> bustier was under the corset because i went from like super frumpy to super sparkly bitch and ah. the white the white dream corset the white floor show corset got stuck on um the bustier and then the sequin bra i had under it and it pulled the bra off so i i it got stuck and i had to fix it and then the hoop fell very briefly but other than that it was fine yeah 
Yeah, and then you uh, continued to do it, and eventually yeah. I saw you do it on your birthday show. Uh, Hoops, thank you so, 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 so much for coming on. Um, I think we did manage to do a good job of covering that that scene. Um, there's There'll probably be, like, appendix episodes and stuff like that, but th thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, too.